people I help are virtual facilitators, speakers, um, and presenters. They used to all do this in person and I help them through that shift to the online context, helping take away the scariness of the whole experience and helping them connect with their participants again. My name is Patricia Regeer. I'm a virtual facilitator and online producer. I'm also a mom, wife, um, have a couple cats, love to solo travel, and I used to play hockey. I would like to get back to that someday again. I believe that helping people feel confident online so that they can connect with their participants is really important. Being able to take away the scariness of the tech and that people can just focus on their expertise, focus on their content and their participants and not worry about the rest. People can be distracted and multitask, so it, we have to intentionally create that learning space to be engaging, interactive, and that people really feel part of the experience. Um, then people are not going to be looking for other things to do because it's not just a passive experience. We want to make it something where we truly are changing, shifting an audience into participants. Yeah, I do spend a lot of time online and it can feel almost like 24 seven, but it's really important that I also have that intentional shift offline. We work and live in the same space and getting out of that context and shifting offline intentionally is something that makes a difference to have that balance. And then I'm refreshed and more creative when I come back. And that's something that I want to do more of is the getting out for walks. Like when I'm in nature, in the woods, looking up at the trees, seeing all the details of the flowers and the rocks and the moss and the water, being up north, going for hikes, just being in nature really does rejuvenate me. When I started the online shift, it was a number of years ago when I went back to school for my Master of Adult Education that entire program was online. So not only was I learning how to learn again after many years in between, but what I learned through that experience was that even online, people across the country, across the world, we connected. We were a cohort of learners. We're still in contact with each other. So it showed me that's very possible to build community online when you're learning together and collaborating. Um, it's very possible for it to be an enriching experience. So I went through that pain at that point. Um, and when the mass pivot and shift happened in March 2020, it was really difficult for facilitators, experts, extraordinary people that were at the top of their game, whether it was on stage for keynotes or um, in-person workshops. It was really painful to first of all have a lot of things cancel at that point and then to have that pressure of if they were going to continue to ha have an income that they needed to figure out this next stage. People were lamenting what they liked, what they had, what they could do really well and there was a bit of mourning even of that loss before people could embrace it. So. That needed some tender care too. That really needed some encouragement and cheerleading and support and calm to get people through those stages. That they could still be at the top of their game 
in this very different context. So even going forward, the people that are can't wait to get back to normal, get back on stage, get back to in-person, I completely understand that. But this will still be a very viable backup option or alternate option, where sometimes too, if they are traveling to go to a conference, maybe they can squeeze in a one hour workshop while they're there because they can do both. One on, one's online, one's in person. So I think this learning curve that was forced upon people and it was so hard and sometimes it still is, it will still really be a benefit to people going forward. So I do understand um, and it's partly why I push myself to jump into new platforms all the time to learn, go through my own learning curves, understanding and figuring out what works on those platforms, the pros and cons, then I can keep understanding my participants and the clients I work with. Because some of the fantastic speakers that I work with, they have their platform that they've learned. They went through the growing pains of figuring it out and they're now comfortable and they know how it works. And then they'll work with a client that insists on a different platform. So I'm really there to help them shift to a different platform, help them feel comfortable and confident that they can still do their thing, help them understand what the differences are, what we can and can't do, so that everybody feels comfortable. Because um, we've had experiences too where I've worked with a facilitator and we've used the platform that we found was more engaging, but the the participant group was resistant to that platform. And then there's a lot of complaints and that resistance, you're battling that. Um, so, you know, with every situation, we figure out what's best for the context, the platform, the facilitator, what is best for them too. Because when they feel good, that shines through, that they feel comfortable and good. And I protect that space too. Um, and we, of course, want the participants. It's about their learning experience journey. So I help people to consider that before, during and after. Another thing that really made a difference that I always told people, um, just even one thing that they could do was to look deeply into the camera. Then people feel like you're looking at them. So that was the biggest switch to train uh, myself initially when I was creating YouTube videos and to train other people too, that, that looking into the camera really makes a difference on how people feel in that situation. Every context is different, but not looking at themselves, not looking at the other people. And that I think was the hardest piece because people were used to reading the body language of people. And now if they were looking down at all the, the gallery of squares, anybody watching them through the camera or that recording, they weren't gonna get the same feeling. So a lot of different elements to make it feel like it did before, but having to do it differently. Yeah, I think with everything that we're learning, it's a challenge and sometimes we're resistant to learning something more. Sometimes we're just saturated and we don't want to learn another new thing. And when technology is constantly evolving, there's a constant learning curve that can feel tiring sometimes. So taking it piece by piece is really important. So I created this book to be an easy reference point that can be pick your own adventure, read one little story and one quick tip and use it. 
that it's not overwhelming, that you start with where you're at, use what you have and build on it. People can grow their confidence and their connection with their online participants and create these engaging experiences and do it one step at a time. One drawback of shifting online is that now we have meetings and training back to back to back all day long. I think it is important that people keep in mind to be very intentional to save space in between meetings. Um, we used to have to walk down the hall or grab a cup of coffee or tea or drive to that meeting or workshop. And that is important time to digest what we just learned or talked about. When I'm driving, I'm thinking about what I just learned or the meeting I just had and maybe something I want to do a follow-up on. So we need to build that into the online space as well um, and be very intentional about that. So if anything that I've talked about resonates with you and you're looking for more help, you can find me across social media platforms and my website, rickyeducation.com. And my book, The Online Shift, you can find everywhere books are sold online and select retailers. And don't forget to ask for it at your local library.